to the Fuck Right at Monkeys, the podcast where we chat to interesting people about their favourite song from the titular lads from High Green as well as much more. This week I was joined by Pablo from LA group Innerwave. Having initially forged their sound in the guitar rock influences of bands like Art of Monkeys and the Strokes, in recent years the group have continued to evolve in more electronic directions. We examined how the Monkeys' influence on their work has persisted throughout those stylistic changes via a discussion that spans both bands' careers. He tells me of how in his early days as a songwriter he would study the group's albums, breaking them down piece by piece, learning all the parts off by heart. We dive into some of his favourite deep cuts from their records, and he talks me through which Art of Monkeys album he's learned the most from as an artist. But before all of that, he shares his favourite track from the group's sixth album discography. Here's me and Pablo of Innerwave, talking all things Art of Monkeys. I said do me a favor is my favorite arctic monkey song but in reality there's just so many i think the favorite worst out nightmare album is my favorite so i just try to pick a song from that album that felt encapsulated the vibe of that whole album and i felt like do me a favor was was that for me well, I suppose with Do Me A Favor, you get a bit of the soft side to that record and you also get the kind of punkier garage rock side to it. Definitely. That's that's what I was thinking because there's a lot of that like punkier, like riff heavy, energetic stuff. There's also like some really spooky, like evil circusy sounding stuff that I thought was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's also like a lot of drama and like emotion and uh just like really like emotionally intense stuff and like sad like slower ballads or like only ones who know is really beautiful so restrained yeah you know um and and just this like sonic landscape of that album i feel like it just when i was younger like in uh you know middle school going into high school listening to that album i just would picture that that's what you know england looked like as a whole just like uh really gloomy and dark (laughs) and it just seemed really cool you know and uh yeah the imagery i got from that album was always was always that how old were you when you kind of came to it um let's see well i feel like i first got introduced to arctic monkeys through their first single, you bet. I bet you good on, on the dance floor. Exactly, yeah. So that was playing on like K-Rock over here when I was in sixth grade. Uh, I don't think I really dove into the album, but I listened to the single and like some older stuff, like Fake Tales of San Francisco, which I think was on the album too, yeah. stuff like that. And then eventually, uh, I think when I got into that album must have been seventh or eighth grade so i was probably around 13 14 i think i feel like that's um, the perfect age to get into our monkeys i think i was oh, about to say sure. yeah oh really oh yeah <laughs> great yeah i feel like they became a band that you know i just listened to exclusively i you know um when i was younger i would just i'd have these phases with different artists where I would stop listening to anything else and only listen to them. And Arctic Monkeys was that, but for an extended period of time, you know? Do you ever still do Um, that now? I try not to because when I used to do it then and then I would write stuff, it would come out like that artist, you know? 
Um, Arctic Monkeys is an example of that. When I was making songs with the guys when we were, you know, 13 or 14, it sounded like Arctic Monkeys because that's all I was listening to. I was like, you know, kind of using it as a blueprint for learning how to write songs that I thought were interesting. So these days I try to have a healthy diet of music and influences. So I don't feel like I'm just like taking inspiration from just one source. I'm sort of melding it together. But yeah, I think there are artists that I, I would do that with though, that I still find or someone's new project or something like that. When you were 13 or 14 and you're kind of in the band and using this as a blueprint, are you trying to unpick it quite consciously, structurally, or is that just something that's coming through subconsciously? I think it's a bit of both. Sometimes it was more like, uh, I really like this song and I want to have the feel of it. So then I would sort of try to understand what the structure was and how the music was arranged. So actually for a lot of Arctic Monkey songs, I think especially the first three albums, I'm pretty sure I could play every part on like on the drums, the bass, both the guitars, and I know like the words <laughs> because I just, you know, I that, that was just like music school. And I did that with a lot of different artists, you know, just learning all the riffs and how they like intertwine, you know, how the two guitars intertwine, how that fits with the bass, you know. But then sometimes it was just subconscious just because, you know, I was, that's the only thing I was listening to. Like whenever I thought something sounded good, it kind of was because it sounded like what I was listening to. It's interesting that you were into them, you know, when you were first starting off getting into bands, because when I, when you chose Do Me A Favor, my mind kind of jumped to a song on your last EP, 50. Oh yeah, for sure. Do you kind of see an emotional parallel there too? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think different songs have different um, sort of feelings to them. And even though there's so many different kinds of music, I feel like there's there's a lot of shared emotion between stuff. You can sort of categorize as like, oh, this these fit together and these fit together. And I feel like 50 definitely has that sort of somber, you know, dark afternoon, like gloomy sort of presence and I feel like do me do me a favor definitely has that too uh which is a different genre but the same feeling whereas do me a favor to me sounds like you're driving through you know maybe somewhere in London as it's about to turn into like night and it's like a you know it's like that sort of night time imagery with 50 I feel like it's like driving through maybe downtown LA or something you know it's interesting earlier on you were saying when you listened to Favorite Worst Nightmare it gave you these dreary images of England and that was what you perceived it to be at the time when you were writing will you ever write with images in your mind like that uh, yeah definitely like I was saying earlier about um, different songs having different emotional like backdrops or sort of uh, a feeling that they carry I think starting to visualize where this song, what this song sort of brings to my mind, um, helps sort of inform maybe where it should go to. Yeah, just sort of, it's almost like you're writing the story and you're starting to build out what the story is and where it's at and what the exposition is. It can inform me as to where the story goes. And I feel like that's, that's the same thing with, with song 
with the songwriting process for me. If you came to Arctic Monkeys when you were 13, 14, and this record, Favorite Worst Nightmare, is the first one you kind of get your hands on, a little bit of the first one too, did you almost mature in tandem with the band maturing? Yeah, it's actually, that's a good observation because I definitely feel that way because listening back to old Arctic Monkey stuff, I think uh, whatever people say I am is what I'm not. The first one feels very juvenile and very sort of, uh, I know why I was super into it when I was younger, but I feel different about it now as I'm older. But Favorite Worst Nightmare, I think it still holds up really well for me. But, but you're right, I think as they started changing up their style, me, I, I was also changing up like my style and who I was in conjunction with the band up until the point where I think, I think it must have been after Humbug around like Suck It and See where I sort of didn't really listen to them as much and started exploring so many other different things. And I think it was when they released AM in about 2013. I was already super into Tame Impala and I had not really, you know, I heard that that was like blowing up for them. And a lot of people were listening to Arctic Monkeys now, but it was like a new generation of people. So it's just strange to see them like, you know, it's cool to see a band successfully change up their style and and grow as opposed to just saying stagnant even looking to that am record though it's pretty incredible how well it did considering how it sounds like it's not your kind of polished stadium it is to it is definitely leaning back into those heavy rock origins but it's not your kind of modern imagine dragons type stadium rock it's very much got its roots in the past with some kind of r&b rhythms going on which i thought was perfect because i felt like uh in a way we i felt like we were doing something similar as far as the genre melding thing you know um maybe not the same combination of stuff but we definitely had the garage rock influence but we also had a sort of r&b influence and a hip-hop influence and i know like from interviews it seems like they've been into that and they did that one collaboration with Dizzy Rascal, I think, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that they've, you know, had their interests, their interests lie in that world as well. But I think AM was a really cool, sleek way of, of showcasing it where it doesn't feel like, you know, forced or anything. Yeah, like classic rock meets, meets like some 2000s hip hop type vibe. But yeah, it was kind of funny how I didn't really listen to AM until like maybe 2017 or 2018. And then I could appreciate it for what it was. But at the time, I just sort of felt like maybe like, you know, those fans that, you know, when the band starts to grow, you sort of feel like, oh, I liked them before, kind of. <laughs> I think maybe yeah. I had a little bit of that subconsciously. Plus, I was already like my musical journey was like elsewhere at that point i mean your first album must have come out the same year as am didn't it 2013 yeah yeah i think uh yeah part three with the one that had american spirits and all of that that came out in 2013 did you if you came to am in like 2016 2017 were you very much on tranquility base when it came oh, out? oh um yeah i think when tranquility base came out i definitely was interested because it seemed like such a big departure from everything else, even more so than than AM, I guess. A massive middle finger to all those people that hopped on on AM. 
that maybe made you not want to be as big a fan of the band anymore. Right. I thought it was cool. I love when artists do that, that, you know, it's always fun to see someone, you know, you know, they're doing what they want, regardless of if people are going to like it or not. I can respect that a lot. So I, I definitely delved into that one and there's some really good tracks on there. And I think just the vibe of it was, was really cool and interesting. I mean, when I was watching your live at the Fox performance from earlier this year, there seemed to be, was there maybe a little bit of aesthetic crossover there too? With the, the suits and the, the black and white and the kind of spacey atmosphere to it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think around the same time as Tranquility Bass was was coming out, I was also watching like uh, Jean-Luc Godard movies. I think I might have mentioned that last time. Like uh, Alphaville was a big influence on WID. Yeah, like yeah. Sci-fi noir movie and... I could tell by the visuals for Tranquility Base that there was definitely like a French New Wave vibe to their visuals. You so can see where they're stealing from. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's definitely a similarity there on the visual front. I mean, you were saying at the start that Favorite Worst Nightmare is kind of top of the pile for you in terms of the, uh, the Pantheon of Art Monkeys album. What does the rest of the lineup sort of look like? Hmm. I guess now it's it's different. I think when I was younger, I would have said it's favorite worst nightmare and then it's humbug and then it's whatever people say I am is what I'm not and then it's everything else. But now favorite worst nightmare is probably at the top for me. And I would say AM is second maybe. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to, I'd have to have them all laid out and then, you know. I feel like AM is one that no matter where you put it, you can't really argue. True. Wherever it comes in the placing. Yeah, it's so well produced too. I think um, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age had a hand in that. He's on one of the tracks, isn't he? Yeah, he's also singing on Knee Socks, I think. Yeah, he does the backing. Yeah, he's got a yeah. kind of high pitch coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can hear it, um, I think. There's like a... I think Humbug is when he started producing some stuff for them and you can hear that sort of Queens... He just knows how to strip off the fat and make something sound huge. True, true. And he's definitely got a good ear for for very interesting tones and stuff. With what you were saying about how you used to kind of examine the albums a little bit and unpack them, and they were a great template for you to start off with to learn from. Which Art of Monkeys album do you feel like you've learned the most from as a songwriter and as a music creator? I think there's two ways I can go about it, you know? I think I could either say Favorite Worst Nightmare again, or Humbug, because I feel that there was really, really pretty melodies. I, I think that's when I started to learn about the right melody on top of the right set of chords can really be impactful. Oh, what's that song from from Humbug? Secret Door? Maybe. Is it the... Da, 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 da. Is that Secret Door? Yes. Fools on parade. Yeah. So like something like that is so memorable and, and beautiful. And That's such it's a great so simple cut. too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great song. And the drums on all the albums too, I like have them memorized. Like I can't play them as well as Matt Helders can, but I like air drum to them, you know? But the other way I could answer it, it would be saying that whatever people say I am is what I'm not. 
is where I learned the most from because it's also the most simple, stripped down, more basic like version of Arctic Monkeys. And I think that simplicity, when you start to realize that a lot of the songs are three chords, you know, and they tend to do the same sort of pattern, simplicity like that can go a long, a long way, you know. I mean, that's the thing that's fascinating about Arctic Monkeys is that they've never really... I mean, they've never really pioneered anything. They very much just take a sound and perfect it and do it incredibly well, as opposed to kind of forging new ground. I think maybe by doing it so well, it feels like they're forging new ground. But I think that's with anything, really, you know? Um, Yeah, I think it's also like... I was talking to a friend about this, how... uh, like Olivia Rodrigo, I don't know if you know who that is, but yeah, she's yeah, like yeah, blowing yeah. up right now and she has that she's one huge. song. Yeah. Yeah, she has that one song that people think sounds like Misery Business by Paramore. I've never gotten into Paramore. I wasn't a huge fan, but I know the song, you know. Like I saw it on online somewhere, like someone did a mashup of like the chorus and then it switches to the other song and you're like, Oh, it seems it sounds very similar. But the thing is, is that for uh, this new generation, that that is their artist and that is their, I guess, introduction to that style or like that kind of music. And I feel like Arctic Monkeys is the same way, as, as, as well as like a lot of the garage rock bands of that era. It's an introduction to stuff that has been done before, but it's just, it's, it's the new like modern twist to it. They're doing it through a modern lens and making it relevant again. Yes. Tranquility Base is the perfect example of that, taking like 70s lounge music and heaving it into the 21st century. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, you know, I think someone could be a purist about it and say like, oh, but they're just, you know, taking from whoever. But I mean, I feel like everyone's always done that since the dawn of time. That's how art moves forward. But on top of that, I think the retro stuff sometimes and sometimes it can be done in poor taste and just feel like a a bad ripoff but other times I think there's a there's something to be said about perspective the way that people look at the 90s or the 2000s now and are influenced by it but in a with through the modern lens it's not quite the same and in some ways it's it, it births a new thing that's not necessarily better but it's definitely it's it's a it's its own thing you know everything moves in cycles yeah for sure for sure i mean there's so many different i think i don't know if you know this artist rena sawayama i think her name is i might be saying it wrong but but she had this song i also don't remember what the song is called but it definitely sounded like some like 2000s like pop like britney spears ish vibes but it's 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 different though because it's like I don't know, maybe it had a little bit more of a hyper-pop sort of element to it, you know? How do you do that from a creator's point of view? Do you start with the sound that you want to emulate to a certain degree and then do you just filter it through your own lens or how do you make it unique and how do you make it your own and take ownership of it? Mm. Well, that's a good question. I think it's something that I've wrestled with for a long time since I was younger. I think now... I don't, I don't think I sit down and, and say like, I'm going to make this kind of, of a album now. I think I just sort of 
let myself be influenced by whatever I'm, I'm into at the moment and just take in as much stuff as I can. And then when I start writing, whatever comes out just naturally is the direction that I feel like that I should go in, you know? So I never try to force it. So once I understand, you know, this is, this is where it's going, then maybe I can sort of like inform myself of, of music in this same realm and learn from it and then also have other, influence and other influences and, and, and learn from that. Yeah, I guess not, not, not like in a super research kind of way, but if it's already sounding like something, then I was probably listening to some stuff in that world already. So just sort of diving deeper and, 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 and then just sort of, uh, I think I've been making music long enough now that I know this stuff that feels a little bit more trademark to us, maybe the vocal effects and style, maybe the production style, the robotic drum style, or just, you know, different things that I'll try to, you know, ease in there and, and then I think at the end hopefully it comes out like uh, like a, a fresh take on something <laughs> 